Hi, this is David. Welcome to episode 10 of Upward Journey Bible Study, where we study the Bible in theology. This episode focuses on learning some of the content and message of the book of Romans. Of the 21 epistles in the New Testament, 13 are written by Paul and 8 are general epistles. The first of Paul's epistles in book order in the New Testament is the book of Romans. Romans is 16 chapters long. Romans is a key statement by Paul regarding justification by faith rather than by works of the law. I will use the World English Bible for this episode because the World English Bible is in the public domain. Let's get started. The New Testament starts off with four gospel books written in this order, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. After the four gospels is the book of Acts, then the book of Romans. So the first six books of the New Testament in order are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans has 16 chapters. Romans is an epistle of Paul. An epistle is a letter. The main content of this letter is a gospel theological message from Paul to the Christians in Rome regarding justification, holy living, God's plan for Israel, and life in the Christian community. This letter also contains what you would find in a typical letter to someone, in which Paul communicates his plans to come and see them, and how he has been delayed thus far from his hope to come see the Christians in Rome. Let us look at Romans chapter 1. Paul starts off the epistle to Romans introducing himself, his calling, and the purpose of his ministry. See Romans chapter 1 verses 1 through 7. Paul introduces himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. He also introduces himself as an apostle. In the Old Testament, Moses was called a servant of God. As a servant of Jesus Christ, Paul was devoting his life to doing God's will. A servant does what his master wants him to do. Paul was an apostle. He was one, not one of the original apostles, but he did witness the resurrected Christ who appeared to him on the road to Damascus. All the apostles have long ago died, but we still have their teachings in the Bible. The apostles' teaching, as we see in the Bible, is inspired by God. There are no living apostles, as the term is used in reference to Paul and the original twelve apostles, which includes Matthias, who replaced uh, Judas Iscariot. Church authority comes not from men, but from God's holy word. Our Christian faith must be based on Scripture and Scripture alone. You should learn to interpret the Bible yourself with sound interpreting principles. This is necessary because there are many deceivers and many who have been deceived. Paul's life was set aside for God's good news. This good news was promised in the Old Testament. This good news was about Jesus Christ, who was a descendant of King David. God raised Jesus from the dead, and Jesus' resurrection from the dead powerfully demonstrates that Jesus was the Son of God. Paul shares his thoughts and concerns for the Christians in Rome. First, Paul thanks God for the Roman Christians' faith in God. Secondly, Paul shares with the Roman Christians that he prays for them. 
Paul also prays that if it is God's will, that he will be able to see them in person. Paul shares three motivations for why he wants to see them in person. First, Paul wants to give them a spiritual gift. Paul does not say what that spiritual gift is, but that gift is to help them be established as Christians. Likely, Paul is referring to teaching them about God's word so that they will become stronger Christians. The second reason Paul wants to see the Christians in Rome is so that he might encourage them and that they might encourage him by their mutual faith in God. Paul also wanted the Romans to know that he had often planned to come and see uh, the Roman Christians, but other things hindered him from coming to them. The gospel or good, or good news of Jesus Christ that Paul preaches has the power of God to bring salvation to those who believe. The gospel reveals God's righteousness and God's wrath. God's wrath is against those practicing ungodliness and who live unrighteously. Those who do not know God suppress the truth they have by living unrighteous lives. Unrighteous living suppresses one's understanding of God's truth. Paul says that people without God's word know enough about God through nature to be accountable to God. God's truth made known to all men is visible to all through the created world that God has made, and it is known in human nature itself. Paul says that what may be known about God in nature is in all people. God's revelation through nature shows God's eternal power in his divinity. This leaves all people without excuse before God. The rejection of God's truth through unrighteous living blinds man to God's truth. This, this is manifested when worshiping God and giving thanks to God is replaced with empty thoughts and a senseless heart. It is manifested when people stop worshiping God and start to worship nature and idols. People start to serve the created world instead of the creator. This results in God giving them over to vile passions. As examples of vile passions, Paul mentions uh, the sins of homosexuality and the sin of lesbianism, which he says are contrary to nature. The Bible calls homosexuality shameful. The result is that God gives them over to a debased mind. A debased mind is one that lacks discernment of God's will and way and fails the test of what God wants our thoughts to be. This leads to further sins such as unrighteousness, other sexual sins, malice, coveting, envy, murder, strife, deceit, slanderers, hating God, disobedient to parents, lacking understanding, unforgiving, and being unmerciful. Paul thus shows that the judgment of God is against those who do such things. Paul does not stop there. He goes on to show that God's condemnation is not only to those who do not have God's law and live wicked lives, but against those to whom God has given his law and they do not obey God's law. Whereas in chapter 1, Paul condemns those who reject God's truth that they gather from only being exposed to God through nature. In chapter 2, God condemns those under God's law that do not keep God's law. God condemns those who judge those for doing the sins in chapter 1, but also live in sin themselves and falsely take shelter 
in knowing God's law while failing to obey God's law. God condemns those who condemn others of robbery when they themselves are robbers. He condemns those who speak against others committing adultery when they themselves commit adultery. It is not enough to know God's law. We must obey God's law. When a Jew knows God's law and gets circumcised and yet lives a sinful life, then he will be considered uncircumcised. The circumcision that both Jews and Gentiles needs is the circumcision of the heart. In chapter 3, Paul affirms that Jew and Gentile alike have sinned against God. Paul's conclusion is that by doing the deeds of God's law or merely doing the teachings of the Bible will not make a person right before God. Rather, God's teaching in the Bible will only reveal to us how bad we are. Paul affirms that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Paul's conclusion is that every person justified before God obtains that righteousness apart from deeds of the law. Justification refers to God declaring a person righteous. This is not obtained by earning salvation from sin by doing good works. Rather, salvation from sins is obtained by 1. God's grace, 2. Through redemption that is in Christ Jesus and Jesus' atoning death on the cross, and 3. Through faith apart from the deeds of the law. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 28. In Romans chapter 4, Paul gives the example of Abraham who was justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Abraham was justified by faith in God before God even told Abraham about circumcision. God imputed righteousness to Abraham because Abraham believed God that he would have many descendants even though he was old and his wife was old. Likewise, God's righteousness is imputed to those who believe in God who raised Jesus from the dead. Now let's look at Romans chapter 5. Paul teaches that those justified by faith come to have peace with God. They are no longer at enmity against God, and God is no longer their enemy. God's love is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that God gives to those who have been declared righteous before God. Justification is when God declares us to be right before God. How is justification possible? First, justification is possible because of God's love. God loved us even when we were sinners. God showed that love by sending Jesus to die for our sins. Secondly, justification is possible because of Jesus' atoning death on the cross. We are reconciled to God through Jesus' death, and we are saved by Jesus' life. Paul compares Jesus to Adam. The Bible clearly teaches that Adam was a historical person and that we are all descendants of Adam and Eve. Adam's sin brought sin into the world and death. While Adam brought sin and death, Jesus lived a righteous life and was righteous and brings life. By Adam's sin, all are made sinners. By Christ's obedience, many will be made righteous. Eternal life is through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 21. In chapter 6, Paul further teaches how Christians die to sin and come to have life in Jesus Christ. Paul associates this with water baptism. When we look at the Bible as a whole, it is apparent that water baptism as a mere ritual does not affect salvation 
or making one to be right before God. Then why would Paul associate salvation from sin in our new life with Christ with baptism? The reason is, is because in the time of Paul, baptism was seen as being accompanied with faith in Christ, repentance from one's sins, calling upon God for salvation, and seeking forgiveness. Paul never comprehended a water baptism independent of repentance, faith, and seeking God's forgiveness based on Christ's death on the cross. For that reason, Paul could talk of baptism as a shorter way of including all that was associated with water baptism in Jesus' name in the early church, namely repentance, faith, calling upon God to forgive one's sins, and appealing to God for a clear conscience. In other words, by baptism, Paul is referring to when one accepts Christ's gift of eternal life by having faith in Jesus Christ, turning from one's sins, confession, confessing one's sins, and accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. He is not referring just to the ritual of water baptism, independent of these other things. Paul is talking of the conversion experience when a person is born again. Through the conversion experience, a Christian is united with the Christ who died on the cross to sin and to the Christ God raised from the dead to walk in newness of life. For this reason, the Christian needs to consider themselves dead to sin and live no longer in it. Paul says, we are servants of whom we obey. If we obey sin, we become the servant, uh, servants of sin. But if we serve God and righteousness, then we become servants of God and righteousness. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23, World English Bible. In Romans chapter 7, Paul describes the life of a person trying to live a godly life through their own human effort of keeping God's law. They cannot do it. Paul is saying that those living in the flesh are not able to live the way God wants them to live. They want to obey God, but are not able to do so. What does Paul mean by being in the flesh? Notice Paul says in Romans 7, 5, for when we were in the flesh, World English Bible. Paul is saying Christians are no longer in the flesh. This is brought out by Paul Moore in uh, chapter 8. In Paul's writings, the term flesh does not always mean the same thing. It means different things in different contexts. Obviously here, Paul is not saying Christians are no longer in their human bodies, nor is Paul saying the Christian is no longer in their human nature. When Paul says they are not in the flesh, he means they are no longer living independent of Christ, and they are no longer exercising their human nature independent of God's strength, power, and spirit, and they are not using their human nature to oppose God. Even Paul, if he were to live his life by his own strength, independent of Christ and the Holy Spirit, while he may want to do what is good and right, he would not be able to do so. It is only through faith in Christ that he can live the way God wants him to live. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 8, that those in the flesh can't please God, World English Bible. In the next verse, Paul says Christians are not in the flesh, that is in Romans 8, 9. They are no longer seeking to be justified before God through good works. They are walking through the power of God's Spirit. The law is fulfilled by walking in the Spirit. Christians are in Christ and do not live according to human nature in its own strength, 
but according to the power of God's Spirit. Paul is associating this experience of no longer being in the flesh, but in the Spirit, with being born again. It is at conversion that a believer no longer has condemnation from God. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. World English Bible. It is at conversion that we become the children of God. Romans chapter 8 verses 12 through 16. Romans chapter 8, 12 through 16 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. For you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father, World English Bible. <clears throat> Next in Romans comes Romans chapters 9 through 11. In Romans chapters 9 through 11, Paul deals with the salvation of the Jews and Gentiles and the issue of election and predestination. Please do not jump to conclusions about what I'm about to say about predestination. I believe in the Armenian view that Jesus died for everyone and that whosoever will may come to Jesus for salvation. God does not predestine who will believe and who will not believe. However, there is predestination. God predestines to salvation those who seek to be justified by faith in Christ Jesus and those who earnestly seek God. That means all those who want to believe in Jesus can. Jesus died for everyone. Everyone who chooses to believe in Jesus will be saved. On the other hand, God hardens the hearts of those who refuse to trust in God for their salvation. God rejects those who seek to be justified by works of the law rather than through faith in Jesus Christ. While God wants the Jews to be saved, they cannot rely on the fact that they are physical descendants of Abraham. True Israel is those who have faith in God and not in their own good works. Paul says in Romans chapter 9, verse 8, It is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise that are counted as heirs. World English Bible. What does this mean? The children of Abraham are not the physical descendants of Abraham, but those who have faith in God's promises, like Abraham had faith in God's promises. Israel will not be saved because they are physical descendants of Abraham, but both Jew and Gentile will be saved through faith in God rather than through the works of the law. God has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. Romans chapter 9, verse 18, World English Bible. So to whom does God desire to show mercy? The answer is those who have faith in Jesus, those who seek God's mercy with a humble heart. To whom does God desire to harden? The answer is those who rebel against God and God's will. Or as the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 6, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. World English Bible. God's promise of salvation is for those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. This is who God chooses to be saved, whether they be Jew or Gentile. God's salvation is open to all Jews and Gentiles who will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in their hearts that God raised him from the dead. Paul says in Romans chapters, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. World English Bible. How do people come to have this faith? Paul says that faith comes from hearing the word of God. For that reason, God sends preachers to preach God's word so people will have the opportunity to believe. See Romans chapter 10 verses 13 through 17. Paul says that God has bound all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Romans chapter 11 verse 32, World English Bible. Now in Romans 12, Paul says that in light of God's mercy and offering salvation to all who believe, we should present our bodies a living sacrifice in service to God. Christians are not to be conformed to this evil world, but let God transform their minds so that they will do God's perfect will. God wants Christians to be humble. God wants Christians to see that the gifts God has given to them is not to bring attention to themselves. We are to use the gifts God has given us to fulfill the purpose for which those gifts were given. If God has given us the gift of prophecy, then we are to prophesy, prophesy according to the portion of faith God has given us. Prophecy refers to the gift of encouraging or exhorting other Christians. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3, But he who prophesies speaks to men for their edification, exhortation, and consolation. Royal English Bible. Likewise, someone to whom God has given the gifts, gift of service is to serve others. The one given the gift of teaching is to teach. The one who is given the gift of exhortation is to exhort. The one who has, has the gift of giving is to do so with generosity. Those with the gift of ruling are to use it with diligence, and the one with the gift of mercy is to do it with cheerfulness. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. Paul then gives a series of exhortations to the believers to be kind and helpful to other Christians and to even be kind to their enemies who need their help. See Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. In Romans chapter 13, Paul talks about how a Christian is to live in relationship to the government. All authority comes from God and not gov and governments are ordained by God. So, so we should obey the law and pay taxes. Paul then says that when we love one another, we are fulfilling God's law. Christians are to put off sinful living and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. While certain biblical standards are perfectly clear, such as a Christian should not steal or commit adultery, there are other matters that may be a sin for some Christians and not a sin for other Christians. Christians are not to judge each other on these gray areas. For example, some Christians may not be able to watch some TV programs that you can watch. 
they should not judge you for watching them, and you should not judge them for refusing to watch such shows. I am talking of programs in the gray area. Of course, Christians should not be watching porn. This could also apply to music, the clothes you wear, or how expensive a car you drive. In Paul's day, one of the issues was what can Christians eat? Some Jewish Christians uh, could not eat pork, but Gentiles Christians often would. They should not judge or one another as to whether they did or did not eat pork. Paul ends his letter recognizing Christian workers he held in high esteem, such as Phoebe. She was of great help to Paul and other Christians. In summary, Paul in the book of Romans addresses the inadequacy of God's law to justify and enable a person to live like God wants his people to live. The law is good. The law includes the teaching of the Old Testament and of God's commandments and statutes. Nothing wrong with that. It is a gift from God. However, God gave man free will, and Adam disobeyed God, bringing sin into the world. God's law is powerful enough to show us how God wants us to live, but lacks the power to enable us to live the way God wants us to live. Because of Adam's sin, sin was brought into the world and death was sin. Because of the sinfulness of man, even when man wants to do good in his own strength, he is unable to do so. God's law meant for our good just gives us more ways to disobey God. God made a solution for this problem. God sent his son Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus took the sins of the world upon himself when he died on the cross. Jesus died to sin and died to the law. God raised Jesus from the dead. Through baptism, accompanied with repentance, confession of sins, calling upon God's mercy and faith in the atoning work of Jesus on the cross, we are joined to the Christ who died to the law and died to sin on the cross and are joined to the resurrected Christ. As, res as a result, we die to sin to walk in newness of life. God's law is replaced by God's Spirit who writes God's law on our hearts and gives us the power to live for God. There is one way of salvation for both Jew and Gentile, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Many Jews in Paul's day accepted Jesus as the Messiah, but many did not because they sought righteousness, not through faith, but through the works of the law and their own self-righteousness. Abraham was not justified by the works of the law because Abraham was justified by faith, as seen in Genesis chapter 15, before God gave the law regarding circumcision in Genesis chapter 17. True Israel is not the physical descendants of Abraham, but rather Jews and Gentiles who have faith in God, just like Abraham had faith in God. The way of salvation for both Jew and Gentile is confessing with one's mouth the Lord Jesus and believing in one's heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. As a person of faith, one is able to live for God through the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we get this faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do we get God's word? God sends preachers who preach God's word and good news. Paul then says in the light of God's mercy in providing salvation, we should live a sacrificial life for, God's, for God. We should use the gift that God has given to us as believers to serve God, the church, and the world to the glory of God. Paul sets forth ways a believer is to live and includes being subject to the government powers 
who are ministers of God to keep order in society. Take this week to review the Old Testament books in order and learn the New Testament books in order from Matthew through Romans. Thank you for joining with me and listening to this podcast. Be sure to search the Bible to evaluate all teachers, including me. Check out my website at UpwardJourneyBibleStudy.com where you can learn more about this podcast and other resources for spiritual growth. Always remember to keep God first in your life. Bye for now.